Section 33 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. Chapter 13. Giovanni, Leo X. Born 1476. Pope, 1513 to 1521. Died, 1521. Leo X was by no means so important a character as it has been universally the fashion to depict him. The splendor which surrounded him has caught the popular imagination, and has prevented its being seen how little he merited the exalted view of him which has obtained general acceptance when however he is brought to stand side by side with the other members of his family this inevitably comes out the combined effect of his desire to take life easily and his unfailing common sense which kept him from involving himself in matters likely to lead to embarrassment and disaster prevented him from becoming as did his cousin clement the seventh the pivot round which the great events which took place in his time revolved as a result in a history of the medici family where each individual occupies the place demanded by his own character and deeds the narrative of leo's life becomes of far less importance than that of his much less pleasing cousin clement who not only played a more important part in the affairs of europe but also pursued a course which had infinitely greater effect on the subsequent fortunes of the family giovanni the second son of lorenzo the magnificent was only thirty-seven when on the eleventh march fifteen thirteen he was elected pope during the previous twenty years from the time when at sixteen he had left his home in florence to take his seat for the first time in the sacred college his life had been a chequered one returning to florence after only a few months in rome he had during the two years that followed seen the rapidly increasing unpopularity of his family under his brother pietro's unsympathetic rule had been driven forth with him into exile had spent five years in endeavors at various courts to obtain assistance for his brother in military enterprises against florence which invariably failed and then departing from italy for a time had wandered through northern europe seen many cities and the life of many lands returning at length to rome he had gradually won for himself and his family a position of favor with the pope and had been sent by him on important missions had been placed practically in command of a military force had taken part in a severely fought battle and been taken prisoner had seen the terrible sack of prato and done something to mitigate its horrors and finally had re-entered his native city in triumph and re-established his family in power there all this had given him a wide experience of men and affairs but it had not altered his ease-loving disposition leo x gave his name to his age and his nine years reign as pope has been extolled to the skies by the literary men of three centuries his character has in part been already noted apart from his love of literature and art an unusually strong common sense and a genial good nature were his chief characteristics erasmus who knew him well praises his kindness and humanity his magnanimity and learning the charm of his manner and his love of peace and the fine arts 
and comparing his pontificate with that which had preceded it says that an age of iron was suddenly transformed into one of gold and even sarpi states leo noble by birth and culture brought many aptitudes to the papacy especially a remarkable knowledge of classical literature humanity kindness the greatest liberality and an avowed intention of supporting artists and learned men who for many years had enjoyed no such favor in the holy see while dr kraus says paramount in leo's character were his gentleness and cheerfulness his indulgence both for himself and others his love of peace and hatred of war but on his personal character the great blot must rest that he passed his life in intellectual self-indulgence and took his pleasure in hunting and amusement while the teutonic north was bursting the bounds of reverence and authority which bound europe to rome on becoming pope leo at once actively began all that encouragement of literature and art for which his pontificate is famous inviting learned men from all parts of italy to rome making plans for founding a great university there for the study of the greek and latin authors corresponding with aldus minutius and others about inaugurating a printing press at rome commencing research work to obtain lost manuscripts of the classical age planning schemes for important works to be executed by raphael and other artists and setting himself in every way to advance the cause of learning and art he also set about assuring the future of his family he created as cardinals his two first cousins giulio de medici and luigi rossi also his nephews each a son of one of his three married sisters innocenzio cibo giovanni salviati and niccolo ridolfi with five cardinals in the family there would be a good probability that one of them would succeed him as pope his schemes for securing to the family the duchy of urbino have already been noted in january fifteen fifteen francis i on succeeding to the french throne began to make preparations for an expedition to recover milan leo x endeavoured to oppose this by means of an alliance between himself ferdinand of spain and the emperor maximilian but francis gained the victory of marignano and took milan and leo was forced to come to terms with him which were settled at a personal conference between them held at bologna in december fifteen fifteen on his way to this conference leo stayed three days in florence where a splendid reception was prepared for him landucci who was present states that the grandeur of this reception was beyond description and that no other city in the world would or could have done the like the city was decorated in all directions with triumphal arches imitations of buildings of the classic age statues and allegorical devices in the piazza della signoria an octagonal temple was erected by sangallo over the unfinished facade of the duomo the design for it made by lorenzo the magnificent himself was executed in wood by sansovino and painted by andrea del sarto a colossal hercules for the loggia de lanzi was sculptured by baccio bandinelli various triumphal arches were erected by montelusso rosso and granacci one between the badia and the bardigello and another near the monastery of san marco being specially fine 
and the city gave itself up to welcoming with numerous festivities the first florentine who had ever sat on the papal throne on his return from bologna leo stayed at florence for more than a month remaining there till the seventeenth february fifteen sixteen and during this visit he made arrangements for completing the family church of san lorenzo he ordered michelangelo to prepare a design for the facade and sent him to carrara to obtain the necessary marble and for this purpose no less than thirty-four shiploads of marble were subsequently dispatched to florence though the facade remains to this day untouched leo also directed the construction by michelangelo of the new sacristy in san lorenzo which the pope intended should form a mausoleum to contain six tombs those of his father lorenzo and his uncle giuliano as well as tombs for the other four members of the family who were then living viz himself his brother giuliano his cousin giulio and his nephew lorenzo but only two of these six tombs were ever completed in fifteen sixteen leo x immediately upon his brother giuliano's death seized Urbino, as previously mentioned in order to form a sovereignty for his nephew lorenzo the dissatisfaction caused by this procedure led in the spring of fifteen seventeen to a remarkable episode a serious conspiracy headed by the young cardinal of siena alfonso petrucci was formed amongst the cardinals to poison the pope this being discovered petrucci who had absented himself from rome was invited thither under a safe conduct as well as a solemn promise given by leo to the spanish ambassador that petrucci's life would be spared both of which promises were disregarded as soon as the latter reached rome where he was thrown into prison and condemned to death further examination proved that a large number of cardinals were implicated in the plot and petrucci with his two chief assistants a surgeon and a secretary were cruelly tortured and put to death the lives of the other cardinals concerned were spared but they were subjected to various deprivations these punishments aroused so great disaffection among nearly all the remaining cardinals that the pope had to be surrounded by guards even when celebrating mass in st peter's to meet this alarming state of affairs and finally put an end to this extraordinary episode leo x took the bold and unprecedented step of creating in one day thirty-one new cardinals at this period just before the reformation the plurality of offices held by the higher clergy was scandalous roscoe states it is actually and substantially true that the same person was frequently at the same time an archbishop in germany a bishop in france or england an abbot or a prior in poland or spain and a cardinal in rome the creation of so many additional cardinals with the benefices given to them of course increased this evil and this large number of important church offices held by permanent absentees tending as it did to much corruption and maladministration in the diocese thus deprived of their proper rulers helped to increase the dissatisfaction with the church which was steadily growing in northern europe in fifteen eighteen leo x arranged with francis i the marriage already mentioned between his nephew lorenzo and the king's relative madeleine de la tour d'auvergne 
this being the second matrimonial alliance with the royal family of france made by the medici family when in the following year lorenzo died leo sent his cousin giulio to administer florentine affairs for a time the latter remained in florence from may to october fifteen nineteen and on his return to rome cardinal passerini was left in charge of the medician interests in florence on behalf of the pope and continued in charge for the next two years in fifteen twenty one perugia being greatly misgoverned by its ruler gianpaolo baglioni described as a monster of iniquity leo x determined to put an end to the baglioni rule there and to incorporate perugia with the states of the church he seems to have considered that against such a criminal any treachery was admissible baglioni was invited to rome under the pretext of consulting with him about political affairs and given the pope's safe conduct but on arrival was thrown into prison subjected to torture and beheaded in the castle of sant'angelo the pope taking possession of perugia about the same time a similarly treacherous endeavor was made to enlarge still further the states of the church by seizing ferrara but the agents who had been bribed to open the gates on the approach of the papal forces revealed the plot to the duke of ferrara and the attempt failed even roscoe with all his admiration for leo x remarks that these operations disclose some of the darkest shades of his character and they are to be attributed if not wholly at all events to a very large extent to that action which was the fundamental mistake of leo x's life for in order to satisfy his easy-going temperament and indulge in those pursuits of literature and art convivial pleasures and luxurious enjoyment for which alone he cared leo surrendered the whole conduct of the political affairs of the papacy into the hands of his energetic and crafty cousin giulio with the consequences which were to be expected from the latter's unscrupulous character leo x must of course bear the full responsibility for the acts which he permitted to be done in his name but while this is so the political acts of his pontificate are to be ascribed rather to giulio than to giovanni and in looking at the latter's life and character this requires to be borne in mind to him political and ecclesiastical affairs were a wearisome burden to be got rid of as much as possible while as time went on he left them more and more in the hands that were so willing to undertake them leaving him free to attend to those matters which to him were so much more congenial it was indeed hard on such a nature that it should be his lot to have to deal with a movement like the reformation and be expected to divert his attention from the latest reproduction of some classical work brought out by aldo's printing press to give heed to the troublesome complaints of a luther it is almost as much a relief to us as it must have been to leo himself to turn from his political life to his action in regard to those matters which were his chief interest here we find another man altogether and here there is neither apathy boredom surrender of his leadership to others nor treacherous or underhand dealing in that world of literature and art which his soul loved and in his sympathy for all the culture of his time he is worthy of that atmosphere of splendor which is gathered round his name 
his great-grandfather cosimo and his father lorenzo had contrived both to conduct difficult political affairs and also to achieve mighty results in the domain of literature and art leo x had none of the energy of his ancestors while his abilities were cast in a smaller mould so that he found one half of the matter as much as he could attend to but in that half his achievements though not to be compared to those of his father and great-grandfather were considerable moreover he had greater resources to draw upon art had advanced to its zenith great stores of the classical literature had by this time been brought to light printing had come to assist in their reproduction instead of the slow and laborious process of hand-copying while great as had been the wealth which his ancestors had possessed to assist their efforts in this cause leo had the still greater resources of the papacy to detail all that he did in the patronage of literature and art would fill a volume the same effect was produced at rome as had taken place eighty years before at florence where his great-grandfather cosimo became the leading man in that city scholars and artists flocked to rome where such a patron was to be found leo founded the university of rome to which he summoned a crowd of celebrated men and which had eighty-eight professors as teachers of various branches of learning and he did not rest until he had with the assistance of marcus masurus and aldus manutius established a press at rome for printing the works of the great authors which as they issued were corrected by the celebrated giovanni lascaris himself who had in his earlier years been employed in the researches of lorenzo the magnificent and whom leo now summoned to rome to help him in this work ariosto speaks in glowing terms of the gifted company of poets and learned men whom leo gathered round him his own classical attainments were considerable and he was justly acknowledged as a judge on all such matters he had a passion for all books and manuscripts both in the dead and living languages and these he devoured with avidity remembering and quoting their contents out of an excellent memory towards art his patronage was unbounded and great as was his renown it has been held by many that his protection of and affection for raphael who died the year before him is and always will be leo's best and noblest title to fame the above pursuits were combined with all the amusements of an existence frankly given up to enjoying life as much as possible and never showing from first to last any indication that a future life was to be expected this latter is a strange trait under the circumstances and one which had very important results lorenzo the magnificent for all his love of the pagan classical literature and whatever he may or may not have been in conduct never displayed this trait but in the son whom he had helped to become head of the church it is a marked feature and various eminent writers have supported the opinion of mosheim in designating leo x as an atheist not that he was by any means wanting as regards to the outward performance of his religious duties for as to these he was most scrupulous but both europe in that age and mohammedan countries in our own can show plenty of examples that the scrupulous performance of such duties is compatible with entire unbelief so far as one can judge on so essentially private a matter from a man's outward conduct and expressed opinions 
leo was a simple epicurean pagan he was not a coarse voluptuary but his speech on becoming pope frankly displayed his mind since god has given us the papacy let us enjoy it and he did hunting and hawking parties in the campagna pleasant gatherings at his villa of la maliana convivial supper parties at rome the delights of literature poetry music and theatrical representations a revelry of culture as gregorovius has called it these things occupied the greater portion of his time unlike most scholars or any previous pope leo was greatly devoted to sport as understood in those days and often spent a month or more at a time absent from the papal city either fishing or pheasant shooting round the lake of bolsena or staying at his favourite hunting lodge of la maliana five miles from rome in the fever-laden valley of the tiber taking part in the grand battues of stags wild boar and every sort of game and scandalizing the papal master of ceremonies by appearing in hunting costume and worst of all in long riding-boots when in rome his life was a less healthy one the venetian ambassador at his court has described the ponderous and unwholesome banquets lasting for hours and in their lavish profusion and variety of incongruous dishes reminding us of the feasts of the roman emperors of antiquity and isabella d'este marchioness of mantua who was the pope's guest during the winter of fifteen fourteen has graphically detailed how she and her maids of honour were plunged into a perpetual round of banquets balls processions hunting parties popular festivals and dramatic performances End of section thirty three